So this is the Chance of Gaming Podcast. Again, I think this is our third episode. I think episode uh, 103, I believe. And uh, I'm Adam Chance. And uh, with me always is Richard and Roy. Hello, guys. Hi, I'm Roy. I'm Richard. There we go. Now we know who we are. <laughs> so we always start the podcast out with, like, what are you playing lately, you know, in the in the, pa- in the past two weeks or whatever uh, that it's been since you talked to us. So what that might be. And uh, for myself, I've actually had a few things. I bought some 6mm painted armies for uh, Napoleonics. And I uh, bought... Who did I do? I think it was... I can't remember if it's Austrians or the other guys. Of course I bought French, because, you know, that's on one side. And I didn't want to do British. So, oh, Austrians or Prussians, I can't remember. And um, I was going to do Russians, too, but I just kind of priced myself out. And I also picked up some 28mm Romans from Warlord, because they're awesome. Do uh, you guys do any of those at all? Do any Napoleonics or uh, Roman stuff? Not in miniatures. I do. Um, I like ancient stuff, and I play uh, Command and Colors Ancient sometimes, which is uh, an ancient game, but it, it doesn't actually use miniatures. Although people have, you can play the game with miniatures, and it's better. I think just looking at the pictures, better than using the blocks. But it's uh, it's not specifically a miniatures game. What about you, Roy? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. Um, the other thing, I bought my ticket for Pensacon. I don't know if you guys have ever heard about Pensacon. I'm assuming that's Pensacola? Yes, it is. It okay, is, I haven't heard of that one. It's just a, a regular con, which, and it's only like, I swear, like three years old, maybe four. And it has blown up completely. They outgrew uh, the Pensacola Convention Center in the first year, and they have nowhere else to go. So wow. they they've like spread over to a neighboring hotel, and uh, I just can't believe it uh, that this group of people got together, whoever they may be, and was like, "Hey, uh, yeah, we should do a con here." You know, Pensacola is a pretty big town. You know, we're right here next to Alabama and Georgia and all this stuff, and we'll see how many people come out. And, yeah, it was just been amazing. I've always been impressed with their guest list because usually it's a mile long. And it's every flavor of geekdom. And it's, like, from has-beens to, like, super, you know, famous people that you can't believe, you know, are there. And so it's this con is not very far from me. Uh, Pensacola is... Probably six hours, four hours from me, and um, yeah, I've always been wanting to go since it blew up, because I noticed the gaming this year was incredible, and I'm like, yeah, man, I gotta do that, so I bought my tickets, and now it's gonna be a Gen Con hotel situation, once, (laughs) yeah, they're sold out in in like five minutes, and then there you go. So did you buy, is that, you talk about 2018, or is this for next year? Next year, because okay. it's, it's in February. So okay. They, um, Just great time to go to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they had just finished, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that reminds me. I've got to do this. And, you know, honestly, I thought it was kind of reasonable. 
I, I, you know, I want to say it was around a hundred for the weekend. And, yeah, it's not uh, for the yeah for the, the the badges. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh-huh. I, I, I thought that was pretty good. Oh, and uh, my, I, I think I already talked about BGG Con, didn't I? Wasn't that last time? Yeah, we talked about that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's new to me. We'll I'll be going to Dallas and uh, so, but yeah, Pensacon, I'm I'm kind of excited for. I just hope I can get a hotel room. So what um, are you going to do there? Are you gonna are you gonna play games? Okay. Game. That's it. And you know, I may actually be interested in celebrities this time. Maybe. It. Um, do they already have their list for next year? Uh, it's starting to grow. And okay. that's what that's what they do from like the the day after the con ends, like all the way up until about a month out. It's it's people. And what I I'm into wrestling and they always get like really cool wrestlers that uh, which I think is which I think is cool, because I mean, that's not usually what you think of at a, at a con It's like, oh, you know, wrestling, what? <laughs> and, um, you know, they do like actual stars, you know, famous people. And I just don't know if I'm quite ready to wait in line for an autograph and pay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Am I there? Am I, am I at that point in my life? I may be. I'm, I'm going to see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, today I actually got out and actually got to roll some dice, and I demoed uh, Infinity and watched a game of Star Wars Legion, which I picked up this week as it was yeah, released. Definitely. Did uh, either one of you guys pick it up? I have it. Um, all I've done so far is take the shrink wrap and look at it. I haven't even pulled it out of the box yet. As Between Thursday and today, I haven't had time to actually start putting it together and painting, but hopefully I'm going to do that this week so that I can start playing the game. Have you got any interest have, in it, Roy? Uh, yeah. I, I have inquired about it at uh, my uh, game store, and they said that they've got quite a few pre-orders. Um, and you know, I don't know. It's I have my time is very limited, so I don't know if I'll have the have the time to, to get this done. But if there's a like a a vibrant player base, I may may get into it. So I, I guess it depends on how popular it is around here. I will say a good bit of local people uh, are are say the same thing. They're kind of sitting on the fence. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, hmm, I don't know. If, if it picks up, I'll do this. Or, you know, if they release this faction, I'll do it. But I, on the other hand, my local store got in, I think, 12 um, starters and sold mm-hmm. them all, all of them, and a bunch of the other stuff. And each one went to a different person. You know, uh, nobody bought, like, two or, or anything. And mm-hmm. uh, which I've seen people talk about doing that, and I'm like, eh, you don't really need to do that because all the the extra stuff is available. And people, you know, man, put them together oh. that day, that day. Oh, uh, wow. A guy, a guy bought his, sat down, glued all his together, and said, "I want to learn how to play this. Does anybody want to play with me?" So I was amazed. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, um. Oh. Go ahead, Roy. Okay. You know, so you said that your your local store had 12 copies. Yes. And they sold all of them. Yes. Um, I think it would behoove these stores to um, offer to, to, like, okay, if you bought a copy of this 
if you want to put your name on this list and then eventually that you'll have this this kind of this network of people that have also bought the game and so then the you know people will know that they're kind of not in a vacuum and they can um reach out to other players and get together for games and things um it would seem to me that it would help to kind of start to build that community of players as as long as like all the people that purchased were known to each other. And of course, it'd be a, a totally voluntary thing to uh, to put your name on that list. Um, so, Roy, what I, they're I doing? I think that'd be a good deal. What they're doing here in St. Louis, we've got. Uh, two big stores, one called Game Night and the other one is Miniature Market. And then mm-hmm. we've got a small chain here that has like three locations called Fantasy Shop. And all of those are doing organized play of some sort with Star Wars. So I know at Game Night and at Miniature Market, when you go there, you know, if you, if you bought Star Wars Legion, even if you didn't, you walk up to the counter, they've got flyers there saying, hey, this is when we're going to be playing Star Wars Legion and everything. So yeah. there's a lot of interest, probably more interest for a new game that I've seen maybe ever. Um, and I think part of it, I mean, obviously it's, it's star Wars, but, um, I just, I, I can't remember ever seeing this many people excited about a new game here in St. Louis and this many people talking about organized play already. And, uh, like I said, in the last show, miniature market just opened up this new showroom and, uh, game night is also opening up a new play area, and I think a lot of the reason they're doing this is because they want to expand their play areas for for Star Wars Legion. I will say locally, I'm running the league for it, and I patterned it based on our local 40k league. And I watched like this one dude, one single guy, when the uh, the new edition of 40k dropped, he beat the drum. And got all these people in that had, a lot of them had never played before. And he got them all together and herded the cats into this big group now. And uh, so I kind of modeled it off of him. I borrowed like his rules for it and that he had written out and kind of changed it to fit Star Wars Legion. And at the launch, I printed out like the rules and I um, printed out like... Um, particularly that I was going to be running it out of a Facebook group that we have uh, called uh, Jackson Wargaming. And, uh, yeah, so all that is there and, and ready for these guys whenever they buy in. To, they know, And I have all my dates listed on the flyer and everything, like, hey, we're going to do painting on this night. And, you know, the it'll start on this day. It's, it's going to be 400 points. And then a month later, it'll be 500 points. And you just go and go. So, Adam, what are you doing for uh, for the actual table itself? I know you've got a lot of miniatures of lots of different, um, you know, sizes and eras and everything. What are you going to do for your actual Star Wars table, the actual gaming space? Well, the re- the reality is, and the interesting thing is, like, right up until launch locally, it was under heavy debate as to what the playing area was. The it's three by sixes. The official yeah. size, right? Yep, the, okay. because that's Armada's play size, right? Which is really weird because like it's twice X-wing. So if you've got a, if you've got an X-wing mat or two X-wings mats, then you've already got the size at least, right? And so we have all these tables that are four by six for 40k, and mm-hmm. you know various other things. 
But, uh, yeah, it's basically we're going to take the 40K table and move in like six inches on both sides and just say, okay, your deployment will start from this point. Yeah, and that's good because you you got cards and stuff, and you you know you've got your range measurements. You can keep all that stuff in that extra six inches. And yeah, and uh, we have tons and tons of terrain, both you know the weird gothic church-looking things of 40k, and just your average forest and rocks and you know whatnot that that will fit in. And so that's what we're gonna do. Cool. Yeah, we've got a lot of that stuff at the game stores and here for my dining room table at home. I mean, I'm just planning on setting up shoe boxes and whatever else. I'll I'll get the uh, the model of the X-Wing that my daughter and I put together last year and throw that down on the table, too. That'll be covered. Huh. Yeah. Um, oh, I will say, you know, if you're listening to this and you're interested in Star Wars Legion, the way it's been, at least I've seen locally and on the Internet, about everything third um, box, starter box, is missing some parts. Or, yeah, it's they kind of really drop the ball with quality control. Now, it's not not important, really. It's like you're not missing, like, Luke's head or anything, or his, or his legs or whatever. It's always these handles. People are missing, like, the right handle for one of the, the, uh, the speeder bikes, or and yeah. or the right handle for the little uh, the little walker that the rebels have. See now you got me nervous. I'm literally looking at my handles right now. <laughs> okay, the speeder bikes are both there. Let's check the walker. <laughs> because the pumps it's... don't work because the vandals took the handles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, you can accelerate, but you can't brake. You know, I, I'm sure, you know, Fantasy Flight, I mean, it's Fantasy Flight. They're going to take care of this. They'll send you your part that you're missing, I'm sure. But uh, people are doing, although I have seen uh, people post on the internet less common, people are getting like two Luke arms and Darth Vader's missing an arm or stuff like that. Yeah. What I, what I don't understand is there's no sprues for this game. Right. They come in little plastic baggies. Yeah. And it seems Just like. Just assembled, but in baggies. You could have fixed that problem that of missing parts <laughs> by just putting it all on a sprue. Yeah, but it's probably you, maybe a bigger box then. Yeah, well, the reason why they didn't, it, when you open the box, it's built. It has all these little pockets built in it for you to put your figures in. It's yeah. designed to store them all oh. once they're put together. And so okay. that's why no sprues. Hey, I had a little add-on about uh, tables. Sure. Um, I'm doing a big uh, remodel. Well, not a big, but I'm doing a remodel on my house. And so I've been looking at carpet and tile and all this kind of stuff. And the Formica company that does, like, uh, laminate tops for your kitchen or whatever, they sell a – it's a one-inch grid Formica that is writable. So I, I'm, I'm entertaining the notion of buying a big sheet of this and making it, uh, like, a gaming table – that has a grid on it um, that you can just write on and wipe off. So like wet erase or dry erase markers. Um, so that's uh, by the Formica company and they sell four by eight sheets of it for about, I don't know, 80 bucks, I think. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's something that's on my radar is to make a, a great uh, table for gaming or role playing, you know, doing miniatures or that sort of thing. And this is also going to be your dining room table. Well, sure. That'd be okay. Because right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Why? Why wouldn't it be? You know, it makes yeah. it easy. You know. Mm-hmm. 
He's like, but it's hey. called uh, Imagigrid is the uh, is the the name of it. Interesting. If anybody is interested in checking that out. Honey, can you get your crap off the table? You know, because Thanksgiving's tomorrow. You know, we need to get this. Let's do this. Come on. No, I don't want to we haven't taken Moscow yet. <laughs> Just one more turn. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, uh, Rich, you played Colonial Twilight? Yeah, I played that a couple times in the last couple weeks, actually, with two different people. So it's a coin game. Um, it's one of the series. It's it's the only coin game that's specifically is designed for two players. So that's what is uh, interesting about that one. Um, and I like it. I like the coin games. I like to play them solo sometimes, just running all four factions myself. They have uh, They have bots that you can use to play the other factions. But for the most part, I don't use those. The only time I ever use those is if, if we've got three players, maybe, and we'll just use the bot for one. But for two players, the coin, uh, the uh, the Colonial Twilight is the way to go. And it's it's the French Algerian War from like 1956, so Algerian independence. It's a good game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, there's a great uh, movie based on that uh, called The Battle of Algiers. You know, really? I'll have to check yeah. that out. I love watching movies after I've been playing a game for a while. Yeah. And, uh, of course, No Retreat, Russian Front. I'm almost positive I own that one. <laughs> you have yeah, to dig around yeah. and find it? I, yeah, I think I saw it recently when I was moving around. Um, what do you think of it? I liked it. We played it today. at the. Uh, today was my monthly gaming day for the St. Louis Historical Gaming Society. And uh, that one of the games we played was Colonial Twilight, and the second was No Retreat. I had never played it before. I had seen it. I had been interested in it, but never played it. So it's uh, it's the Eastern Front of World War II. We played a short scenario, only like five turns, took maybe an hour or so. It didn't take very long. Once the turns moved pretty quickly. Um, it's very interesting, though, in that – so I played the Germans, and it was literally all of – Operation Barbarossa, so the entire Eastern Front, and I had at the beginning maybe 12, 14 counters. So the counters are obviously huge armies, um, and they don't move far because you know if, if a Panzer division can move three hexes, then that's several hundred miles. I don't know exactly what the scale is, but uh, zones of control are super, super sticky. So there's a lot of even if you could move more, as soon as you get next to someone, um, your movement's going to end and you're going to just wait until the combat. Uh, it, it, it feels very much like playing the war out. I mean, it's interesting. They've got the Germans just – the first two turns are just miserable for the Russians. They're just obviously getting completely run over. But then the turns are a couple months long or something like that. Once it gets into the winter – brutal for the germans which if you're playing the long game then maybe you can hold out for the winter just not attack as much but when you're playing the short game you've only got five turns to take moscow and that means you're going to have to fight through the winter and it's brutally hard for the germans to do that so i made it all the way up got moscow partially surrounded was knocking on the doorstep winter came and i just couldn't take it but it's a fun game i like it i'd, I'd like to play more of it cool and uh, you've got time stories, and if I remember that correctly, those are the ones that come in the tens. 
No, it comes in a, a white box. Um, it's an interesting game. Do you guys remember the old TV show Quantum Leap? Yes. Yeah. So there's no official connection between these two, but this game is like playing Quantum Leap, which I loved that show when I was younger, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a fun game. You play these time travelers that go back in time to try to fix something. So the base game is like, I don't know, 30, 30 40 bucks or something, and then the only problem with it is there is zero replayability. You play through a mission, and then you're done with that mission. You have to buy another mission for another, I don't know, 20 bucks or something. I didn't buy this one. My friend bought it. There's tons of missions for it, but you're going to be paying every time you go through a mission. Now, a mission – there about five different chapters to it? You mean the actual missions or the, or the yeah. replay yeah. on the mid? Um, no, I think there's even more than that. Oh, really? I've, okay. I've seen, I don't know, I, I'll bet there's at least a dozen. So there's a number out there. And each individual mission, you're not going to get through it your first time. So you'll take what you've already learned and play through it again. And you'll take what you've already learned and play through it again. Usually it takes you two to four times to solve the mission. Four would be if you're doing poorly. Two would be really well done. Um so there is replayability in that, but once you solve the mission, it's it's like a mystery. You know the mystery, you know the answer. There's no replayability after that at all. So I was thinking if anyone else out there owns Time Stories, there really ought to be some sort of secondhand community because there's no – it's not like a legacy game where you're destroying components or anything. Once you play through the mission, the mission itself is still in pristine condition. Uh, there's no reason at all people couldn't just trade missions and say, hey, I've played this one, but I need this one. So it is a really fun game. It's co-op. I play it with my friend and my middle child, my, my 17-year-old daughter, and his wife, uh, my friend's wife. So the four of us play together. It's a co-op game. It's a lot of fun. It's mystery solving. We've played two missions now, both of them. They're very different, but they, in the end, they both came down to basically someone is more or less trying to summon Cthulhu and you have to stop him. So it's not yeah. it's not Cthulhu by name, but it's very much got that feel to it. It's just an elder god. So. Pretty much, yeah. There we go. Yep. Right. I all... hear that that these chapters are very um, kind of a light R rated or or kind of a heavy PG thirteen. It's not for kids. It's a very there's some pretty adult themes in there, I believe. Yeah, that. yeah, I would put it that way. I mean there's there's an insanity mechanic and in the very first the core game, you go into an insane asylum and one of the characters that you're allowed to play is actually a cannibal. So oh. she she if she <laughs> does if she does the last hit to take someone out, she gets to eat them and get some health back. So yeah, there is an insanity <laughs> mechanic to it. Some of the artwork is – it's well done, but, yeah, it's not something I would want to show my 8-year-old. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would call it probably PG-13. Not not R. Okay. There's no nudity or anything like that, but there's monsters. There's insanity in it. There's mm-hmm. gore. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and, uh, Roy, you had Imperial su- Settlers? Yes. So this is not Imperial, and this is not Settlers. <laughs> this is Imperial Settlers. So um, there's uh, there's five factions for the game, and uh, it's uh, card drafting, essentially. So uh, you play through five phases. So you have uh, your faction deck, and so there's, like, there's Romans, there's Egyptians, there's the Japanese, uh, Barbarians, and the Atlanteans is a, an expansion, the Atlanteans are. And... Um, so you have 
cards from your faction deck and cards from the common deck that you're drafting to kind of build up your empire. And uh, you can kind of, you can play it two different ways where you, you kind of play it, I'm just playing this for myself and, and I happen to be amongst other people, or you can play it with uh, attacking other players too. So you can, you can play nice or you can play mean at it. Um, but it's, uh, it's well, it's, let's see, what's it like? Um, I suppose it's it's vaguely like Agricola, um, and um, you have uh, like your their raise tokens, so a sword, so you can you can tear down one of your buildings and get a little ben- benefit from it, or you can turn down somebody else's building and get a little bit of benefit from it. But you're building up uh, this empire over the course of five turns, and the artwork is. Uh, I'm a big thing for artwork. I like, you know, that's that's what draws me to a game is how nice it looks. Um, is uh, kind of cartoony, um, and it's a, a top-down uh, perspective. So, like the top row, you have your production, and you can produce stone or food or gold or different commodities that you then turn around and spend on um, uh, buildings. So it's sort of like there's another game called Dice City. Uh, it's uh, very similar to that. There's no dice in Imperial Settlers. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been playing that one. That's all right. Now, Roy, last time you talked about rolling through the ages. Have you played the actual game through the ages? No, I have not. Okay. This sounds kind of like that. Okay. Yep. Interesting. It's uh, I've, I've seen through the ages, and that's that's a... That's a pretty long game, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it's it's not super long, like not by you know war game standards, but it's uh-huh. yeah, maybe a couple hours. Okay. All right, and uh, you've got you're still going through Pandemic Legacy two. Yes. Uh, so season two, and um, Richard is a lot further ahead than I am, and I think we're into February right now. So. Um, We've uh, gotten into uh, North America and um, are just kind of starting to play through that. And it's uh, it's it's not my game, so it's I, I just have to I, I play it on my my uh, game nights when people come over to my house. And then the the fellow that that owns it, he got it for Christmas for his wife, and so it's only when uh, she's around and she tends to work <laughs> nights. So I don't play that very much. So I think I played one game so far of it. Any thoughts on it so far? It's hard to tell from the first month, but what do you? Yeah. Do? Oh, it's yeah. Um, no, not really. I mean, it's. I don't know. It's I. Uh, uh, let's see. I think that I had almost gotten there was a an outbreak that happened in the city that I happened to be at. Oh yeah. So, I I kind of got stuck. Like I didn't I didn't end my turn there, but it it went when I in the course of the play. So like, I was gonna get dinged um, when it came around to my turn, and I think somebody else played a card that kind of worked me out of there. They did a maybe we had the dispatcher or something. Oh, that, uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that saved my bacon. Save you a scar. Yeah. So, All right, yep. and you. Uh, the next thing you have is Azul, which uh, if I if I remember correctly from Dora the Explorer, that means blue. 
<laughs> that is correct. Yes. All right. So this is from uh, Plan B Games, and uh, they have another game that I like quite a bit called Century Spice Road, um, which is uh, feels a little bit like um, Splendor, where you're drafting cards and and uh, or, sorry, you're 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 building up recipes to get cards that then have points on them. Um, and Century Spice Road is kind of the same same deal. Um, so I was hoping that, that Azul would be um, as enjoyable as Century Spice Road, but it just, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't get it for me. It's, really? Uh, so it, it's a game of laying, um, was it ceramic tiles? And um, so there's a, a, a circle, and then everybody, you choose in turn order all of the tiles on a circle and you take all of one color off of there and then everything else goes in the center and um, you're drafting them into a grid I believe it's a five by five grid and if you have uh, at game end if you have five of a color then that gets you a point bump um, so it's there's there's some abstraction to it. Uh, it it visually it's very nice but the gameplay just didn't really do it for me I didn't care for that so much. Hmm. Interesting, because this game this is selling out everywhere. Like, is it really? Yeah, Game Night and Miniature Market, both of them. Like, if they get copies in stock, they'll post it on their Facebook page or wherever, saying, "Hey, we've got Azul in stock." And then mm-hmm. within a couple hours or by that evening at the latest, someone will say, "Ah, it's all gone." Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's it's a, of it, it's, it's a small game, and it's it's cheap. It's like twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about picking it up because it looks like a good one to play with my eight year old. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's. Um, the 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 tiles are chunky. They're not actual ceramic. They're, I don't know, plastic or something. Um, but uh, with with fun designs on it, and uh, there's a there's a, a dice drafting game called uh, Sagrada where you're making um, stained Stain. glass windows. Yeah. And uh, the a friend I was playing it with uh, said this reminds me of Sagrada. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I haven't played either of them, but it looked the same. Okay. Kind of, it looks kind of like Patchwork, also. Okay, yeah, which is uh, another yeah, smaller Patchwork. game, kind of like that. Uh huh. All right. The next thing you had on here was some D and D. Yeah, I've been playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons Fifth uh, Edition, and uh, we are we actually we just wrapped up the uh, the the Tyranny of Dragons. Uh, really, storyline. both yeah. books. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, are you like level fifteen and you just fought no, the seven-headed no, uh, Tiamat? Level no. This is uh, we've we've fought a white dragon. Uh, we've fought a, a black dragon and then the white dragon. Okay. Um, and he is in a well, spoilers. He's in a castle, uh, a flying castle. So that's uh, kind of where I'm at with it. So I don't know how much. Uh, how much more there is to it. But the dungeon master is saying that, well, this is pretty much the end of, of the thing. So if uh, somebody's down for doing something else, here we go. <laughs> now, are you, um, are you doing uh, it locally or online? Yeah, no, locally. Okay. Which, uh, that was on uh, St. Patrick's Day. And it happened to be... Um, Should have fought a green these... one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> The um, there's a there's a very small local con that I go to 
um, that uh, there's a, a liberal arts school near me. The math professor, that, or one of the math professors that's there, is a big gamer. So when spring break starts, he rents out, I don't know, four or five classrooms, and uh, people gather and play games all weekend. So, I mean, it's, it's very informal. Um, so I was kind of torn between playing D&D with my, my group who um, was, were, they were not going to the game, to the, to the con. Um, so I kind of had to split my time between playing there and I kind of ducked out a little bit early um, to go in, to this other convention. And that's actually where I played Azul was at this uh, 36 hours of gaming. Okay. Now, speaking of, you've got Twilight Imperium 4 on here, so does yes. that take about 36, 36. hours to play? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. We started at 12.30 on Sunday, and we played to seven points, and we ended at about 6 o'clock. Um, so five and a half hours? or Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yep. That sounds so, about right. Uh, I played it a yep. couple months ago, and we started at we started at 9 a.m. and we took several breaks. We played some other games during our breaks, and we had a couple meals. And but we started at 9 a.m. and we finished it at midnight. Oh wow! But we played the full game too. To I guess 10 points is that the regular number? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the uh, the the guy that owns it, he says you can play it to 14 points. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> which he said, and that seems like for a three-player game, <laughs> that that would be about right. Maybe, which, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, we had uh, six players, I think. Okay. We ended up with five players. Um, and so I, I played through it, and I like I, um, I played the Nalu Collective, who uh, they're kind of one of their special powers is that they always move first. Mm. Um, so I just made a beeline for, uh, Rex in the center and I held it the whole game, but it just, I had an early lead, but then all of a sudden I found myself looking around saying, well, where can I get some more points? Because yeah. I had finished my secret objective and I didn't quite know what else to do. And the, the player next to me was getting, um, um, was building up his fleet. So, like, I, I thought, well, maybe I need to take him down. So I, I was kind of left with not much to do at the end of the game other than just going out and, and attacking people and getting their resources from them or getting their, their planet cards. Um, now, once – so you took the – what's it? Rex Prime or whatever it's called, the one in the middle? Yeah. The one that everyone's yep. shooting for. Now, once you take that – don't you start putting more objectives into the game also? Like, yeah, don't you start yes. to get voting on new objectives and stuff? Yep. There's yeah. The, uh, then you have the politics phase. Right. Um, and so that's your voting laws up and down. Um, and they, it'll say nominate a planet or nominate a player or pass this law that uh, nobody can uh, use bombardment yeah. or things of that nature. And so there's some wheeling and dealing that goes on there uh, between the players where, like, you know, if I, I want somebody to, to vote f vote in my favor on this particular law, then I might bribe them with some trade goods or, or promises for one thing or the other. Um, but I, I did quite enjoy it. 
although my wife was annoyed that I chose to go play that because she wanted to play games, but there was nobody else around um, that she felt comfortable playing with. So she was a little bummed out that that I went and played Twilight Imperium. <laughs> yeah. But whatever. You were gone for so long. <laughs> yeah. And see, the thing is, is that if I had backed out and not played, she, she would have been there anyway playing a game with me. So... It was it was sort of a catch twenty two, but um, I, I've been I've been itching to play this game, so I was uh, glad to get to do it. All right, and uh, Gaia Project is the next thing you had on there. Gaia Project. So there's a game called Terra Mystica, which I don't, people probably I've heard familiar people, with. Yeah, I've heard people talking mm-hmm. about, and I've never played it, but um, I had a friend who. Um, he said, oh, I really enjoyed this game. Let's let's give this a shot. So we found a third player and had it all set up. And then who should show up but gaming cancer? <laughs> <laughs> so we had to play Gaia Project but gaming cancer. Which uh, I want to play this game again without him. Um, <laughs> and I, I bet it's enjoyable, but I was really kind of annoyed that he showed up and I was just think what it, he wanted to play. It What's could that? be worse. It could be worse. It could be Twilight Imperium. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> for <sure>. cancer. <laughs> no. The longer game. And... Um, but so this is. Um, I've heard. Well, somebody said it was. It's Terra Mystica in space. So one of the core mechanics is the notion of power, where you have to kind of ramp up your power that you get, and it's kind of hard to get it, and then it goes in this cycle. So you have. Um, you have to build it up to a level three before you can spend it on stuff. So it, when it's in the once it's once it gets used in three, then it goes back to one. So there's kind of this uh, you got to to work up and get the uh, get it ramped up so that you can spend it on victory points or to um, you know swipe a trade good or, or something to that effect. So there's there's uh, your your terraforming planets, and um, moving out across the galaxy. And it's there's the the other part of it is that you get kind of a a bump by being near other players. So like if uh, uh, a trading post is cheaper if you're near somebody else. Um, so yeah, I'd like to give this game a, a try again. Maybe with with better company. I completely understand. (laughs) (laughs) Which I said to my friend, I said that that might be a great game, but it it was not that enjoyable. Yeah, I I always hate that, you know, because that's like the the thing with board games. Most of them aren't two player. So, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we're, we're getting together to play this. And you're like, oh, hey, it's my two friends, and we're going to play, you know, Candyland or whatever. And then it's like, oh, gaming cancer comes in. It's like, oh, man, y'all are playing Candyland? I'd like to play that. And, yeah. <laughs> and so you just have a bad time. Just a bad time. Yeah. So moving but on. Our, uh, he was across the ne- table from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could be, well, is that worse than being, being next to well, you? Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a good place to position gaming cancer. I don't know. <laughs> you know, if anybody's listening and has, you know, some artistic thing, draw draw us a character called gaming cancer, and I'll <laughs> try to put it in some stuff. 
Let me just draw what gaming cancer looks like. <laughs> you know what you need? Nice. You need to print like business cards with gaming cancer printed on them, and then you could just like casually slip them into someone's bag just to yeah. sort of let them know when they're going through their stuff later. Yes, this was you today. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gaming cancer? <laughs> Follow this list. Yeah, gaming cancer. Isn't that the, the, the champions of Nurgle? Isn't Nurgle in 40K? Isn't he all about pestilence? Right, and, right. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yep. There's your, there's your, uh, <laughs> your, your, uh, your touchstone, your inspiration, there, listeners. So the next thing we have is our little segment we call "What's on Your Radar," where we talk about things that, oh, hey, I just heard of this, and I thought I'd like to, you know, talk about, like, oh my gosh, guys, have you seen this? Have you heard of this? And so that's kind of what it is. Maybe I should do a bumper like that, where it's like, da, da, da. have you seen this? Have you heard of this? Let's talk about it. Oh, something. I don't know. We need, yeah, some better production value, but I'm lazy. Uh, so the first thing we had was this uh, role-playing game that I just saw somebody mention, and the only link I have it to it is the Kickstarter, which has ended. Uh, this They pledged 72 grand to bring this together and it's called Red Markets and it really sounds you know kind of a shitty thing to be stuck into I don't know why people would role play I guess for just like wow it's original it's basically zombie apocalypse has happened but you know hey you still like owe taxes and like <laughs> have like a source of income you know you can't just be scavenging food you have to buy it it's like zombie <laughs> zombie apocalypse happened plus capitalism and like you're on the bottom end of it so you have to go and like you know you you you're rooting through dead bodies looking for cash or or uh you know jewelry or or whatnot and you're working you know, for the the elites, and so I just thought that's a pretty real, you, you know, original idea for an RPG. So and, is it a system uh, or a setting or both? I'm gonna guess both. Uh, I'm not actually sure. Yeah, because they said the profit system. It's a mechanic debuting with red markets. The dice mechanic uses two ten-sided dice of different colors called red and black. Succeeding on a roll means landing in the black, haha, uh, <laughs> using luck or resources, gamble to modify the result, failure means in the red. In short, players need profit to succeed. So, there you go. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's kind of an original idea, and I saw some people talking about playing it, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just bring this to people's attention. Uh, I guess you could have only have played it via um, right now if if you had um, uh, the, bought the Kickstarter. Uh, but maybe it, if it's available, I'll actually post it in the show notes, like where you can get it. Otherwise, it'll just be a link to the Kickstarter, which was successful. So just kind of an original idea. Definitely mm-hmm. successful, like you said. He asked for twelve, and he got seventy-two thousand. So yeah. It's the way to go. Uh, The next thing I discovered was a game called Dungeon Alliance, which I believe came out this year. If if, uh, I'm reading this correctly, yeah, because it's it's available on Amazon, and it's freaking expensive, too. It's like, uh, from Amazon, it's like $81.99. 
Oh, oh, which reminds me, I actually saw Gloomhaven in the wild today. A guy brought it in. You could put, like, a newborn in that box. <laughs> Easily. It's a huge box. Huge box. And they... Well, later one in on, has a newborn in it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, like, later on, I, I walked over there to see it set up. And it literally took up all the little fiddly bits and micromanaging and all the stuff that you do took up almost like a four by six area. Wow. And the actual board they were playing on was probably a square foot. Yeah, I noticed that too. So I don't own it either, but I've seen pictures of the game. And yeah, it looks like a tiny little board surrounded by tons of stuff. But, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I was talking about Dungeon Alliance, and Dungeon Alliance is a deck-building, dungeon-crawling miniatures game, which uh, seems kind of niche, but it was just kind of original in that sense. Uh, I know Shadespire, which I played, the GW game, is similar. It is... Uh, honestly, the miniatures in it... You could play the game with just tokens, but it's GW, they want to sell you miniatures. And the main mechanic around it is the deck building. And uh, But this seems to be more involved with a much bigger uh, board and you know more decks to build. And of course, this is probably more like an LCG, where everything is available here. And Shadespire is uh, closer to a CCG. Because you say you want to play Skaven, and you... Well, first of all, you have to buy the box set, and the Skaven don't come in it. So you have... You get the cards from there, and then you buy the Skaven box set, which come with Skaven cards. And if you want some really cool cards, you... But they're in the Orc box set. So you buy the Orc box set, even though you're not using them. Yeah. And you just pull out those three cards. Sounds like X-Wing miniatures. Mm -hmm. Yes, I don't. I yes. don't want this ship, but I need that upgrade. So yep, I'm exactly. going to spend twenty bucks on this ship that I will never ever fly to get a card out of it. It's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> you are exactly right. Yeah, that's it's kind of like that. So anyway, moving on was um, I don't know how I ran into this because I would have backed this Kickstarter because it's insane. Have you guys ever heard of Squarriors? I've uh, heard of it. I haven't seen it or played it, but yeah, it's I've heard of it. Are talking about warriors? Squarriors, as oh. in like squirrel, squirrel warriors. Yeah. No, no. It, it's a it's a comic book about apparently the the world has ended, and there are like warring animal factions, and part of them are squirrels, and it looks like horrifically brutal it look you know they're like these awful cannibal squirrels and zombie squirrels and you know all this other stuff but anyway it just it was so bizarre um i decided <laughs> i'd just toss it on here but uh it was a successful kickstarter they um i don't know how much they needed but they raised 30 grand and then after that, they raised a following 2200 uh, selling it in backer kit. So there you go. I'm going to post it in the show notes. And if you're really interested in this game, maybe you do. Maybe you, you've read the comic as you're listening to this and go, oh, my gosh, they have a card game? And, uh, yeah, 
that'll post it. Uh, I think it's about 26 bucks is what it looks like to buy the base set plus shipping, about $10 in shipping. And, of course, they have all these fiddly bits. You can get a play mat. You can get an autograph poster, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, so I can see someone like, like me. I've got an eight-year-old daughter, and she's like, oh, let's play the squirrel card game. And looking at the artwork, and there's, like, bloody – they're they're biting each <laughs> other to death. And it looks like uh, – you know what it kind of looks like is that – remember that movie? It was a book, and then a movie, Watership Down? Yep. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> looks like that. <laughs> Only Except they that actually... they're actually – yeah, they actually have swords and armor. They're not just – clawing and biting each other Redwall. yeah Redwall. Yeah. except only only not as nice you know, these, <laughs> these people look to be like they're bru- brutally murdering each other but yeah the next thing i had um was i'm familiar with mutant uh year zero uh because i follow uh what's his name the guy that handles it i have several of his rpgs and i recently picked this up in the drive through rpg sale i talked about last time I it was brought to my attention that there is a video game based on it uh, coming out, and uh, in the show notes you'll see the link to the Steam page. It's actually coming out on consoles too, and it has a really cool trailer. So you know, pause the podcast if you're where you can, and you know, watch the trailer, and it it looks pretty cool. Especially you know you've got this you know you've got Howard the Duck. That's exactly um, what I was going to say. Is it looks like Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck, Rocksteady from, um, no, sorry, Bebop from um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and just some chick who gets scaly. And, uh, yeah, it, it looks pretty cool. It's it's coming this year, and it's an XCOM-style game, which I love those, which are basically 3D isometric turn-based shooters. And that's kind of a niche, and I, I really dig it. So there you go. And um, hmm, looking down through here, uh, oh, sorry, we missed where Rich was going to be painting Legion minis. Yeah, that's that's all that's on my radar in, in the near future is getting Legion painted up. Uh, I understand that. And, so. and counting and make sure you have everything. Exactly. You, yeah. You're going to obsessively do that as soon as it as soon as we get through recording. Like, oh no, he said there's missing. So. Uh, going on to actual news, and I thought it might be fun, and you'll have this link in the show notes, which is, I guess, not safe for well, Let's just say not safe for work <laughs> to be safe. And um, anyway, it's this news article with Eureka uh, Miniatures did some Amazons, and they're naked. And so I wanted to talk for a little bit about just nudity in miniature gaming and how it's it has a history uh but you know we'll take a look at these guys and i don't know who sculpted these but yeah i'm sorry if you're listening to this and i'm making you mad that like you know but okay whoever sculpted them likes butts i'll tell you that much (laughs) that's true the butts seem kind of normal or whatever like it but like the boobs are just awful it's like let's stick some play-doh on here i need a tiny piece of play-doh and there you go and they're they're all painted up and yeah it's it's the whole thing but it is weird like you know every now and then you know you get the you get nudity in gaming uh gw used to do it a good bit there was a the damonettes for slanesh used to be topless 
And when you saw them in White Dwarf, they obviously didn't paint the nipples area. They just painted it as all one piece. But when you bought them and brought them home, they had nipples. And so I guess, you know, you would paint them because, you know, you were a 15-year-old boy. And, yeah, there you go. So, and maybe you even started an army because, like, you can have naked crab ladies. And that was it. But um, I remember in the 90s, there was this Rao Partha uh, set. And at my local store, it was sold behind the counter. And man, it was, we were all just like, oh my gosh, what is that? It's, <laughs> it's adults only. They won't even let us look at it. What is it? You know, and it's like years later, you know, I, I think about it one day and I'm, oh, wait a minute. There's the internet now. Let me type this up and look it up. And the sculpts are about as good as the ones we're looking at here. But yeah, they, it was a slave auction and I'll post it in the show notes. And it, I want to say it had naked dwarf girls, elf girls, and human girls, I think. I don't think it had naked orcs, because that would be weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I, I want to say, is like every now and then, you'll there are, like, wangs in, in miniature gaming. There is, because a lot of people make picks, that is P-I-C-T-S, and they were known for fighting. Oh, that's right, yeah, but, sure. Fighting for nothing in war paint. So to be historically accurate, you've got these blue painted dudes with their wang hanging out, you know, running across. It's it's ancient gaming. So there you go. <laughs> so, I, you know, I I'm gonna look in the show. It'll be in the show notes. I'm gonna look this up later, like to see if there are, if there are like 15 millimeter picks, because you know they'd be really small, <laughs> and what the detail of the sculpting would be. And let's take it a step further and see if there are six millimeter ones. And so, like, well, how historically accurate were they? They're like, oh, well, I have to get this tiny little, you know, whatever on there. I don't know. It's just, uh, this is kind of a thing that happens. This is the first time I've really seen it, I think, in fantasy gaming. But uh, it, it pops up in historical gaming every now and then. If you guys have any experience with nude miniatures, or is that just me? Not nude, per se. I mean, I've... You know, there's a lot of games that have, you know, uh, you know, the succubus type miniature, um, which often have, you know, bare breasts or something like that. But a lot of the games you'll see, um, you know, the, the succubus, the, the the evil demon lady with the whip, is a a common one to see in a lot of games. Yeah, every now and then. Okay, let's let's set aside Kingdom Death. Let's set aside that because that's a whole other thing. Um, Every now and then you see boobs, I think. Yeah. You know, people will will try to do like kind of a cheesecake or pinup style, you know, uh, warrior woman or whatever. And so you, you may see that. But usually those are one-offs and they're not tied to a particular system. But, yeah. I don't think there's any nudity in board gaming. Oh, no, 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 no. There is, there is. And I'll link this in the show notes because a friend of mine showed it to me one day. And I swear, if this is on, uh, this is on board, it's, it has a Board Game Geek listing. And you can look it up. I'll have it listed in the show notes. It's called Boosum Memo, I think. Oh, man. Boosin Memo. Yes, B U S E N Memo. Is it Japanese? This would be the show notes. I thought it was uh, a German thing. Anyway, this is not safe for work, so if you're <laughs> typing it now, stop. Uh, and, you're, and you're at work. Um, 
it, it it's basically memory. You know, you play that game with your kids. You know, where you you put all all the things. It's basically memory with boobs. You're trying to match a pair of boobs, and this it, yeah, a friend of mine showed me this. So yeah, there is nudity in board gaming, I guess. But that's all this game was. Because I remember a few years ago, my friend and I we were joking around like we wanted to do a version of this, and we were going to do a Kickstarter for it and everything. As a huge joke, but we got scared that it might be like one of those $2 million Kickstarters, and then we wouldn't know what to do except flee the country. Uh, <laughs> what we wanted to do was redo this, but we wanted to do it with man boobs. <laughs> just fat dudes. That's all we wanted to do. We wanted to redo it with fat dudes because we just thought that would be so funny and, and whatever. We'd just throw it on Kickstarter and say, like, aha, you know, you got to pay, pay us $100 for it. And then we go to sleep and like wake up and that you you're the most successful Kickstarter of all time. And I'm like, oh no, that would be that would be my luck because I'm like, what do we do? Do you know anybody in China? No, I don't. So how do we do this? <laughs> yeah, it'd be tall. Yeah, because you could get on Craigslist and you're like, okay, this seems sketchy, but I promise you, this is modeling for a legit thing. <laughs> we need you to come here. We're gonna take pictures of you. Dudes only. It's, no, 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 it's not really porn. I don't think it is. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. And, yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll do that in the future. I've also joked around that Kickstarters are so ridiculous. I wanted to do one. That is if I had a large cult following for a case of beer. That just did. Just a case of beer. I, I'm trying to raise 20 bucks. That's all, I'm, that's, that's all I want to do. And just to see, like, how it would do. And I want to do, like, ridiculous stretch goals and stuff like that. You know, like, okay, if we hit $1,000, you'll each get a handwritten note while I'm intoxicated about what I think of you or, you know, whatever. Drunk haiku. Yes, a drunk haiku. You, that would be it. Oh, if man, you I pledge $100, you can come watch me drink the beer. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, that does remind me there have been Kickstarters that are like, if you pledge at this level, we will fly you out yeah. to whatever. You no, that's fine. You could just come watch me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that would have to be like at the ten thousand dollar level. If, if if you're that, you are welcome. Fly out. You can hang out at my house. You can't sleep here, but you can hang out at my house. You know, because you're like a weirdo from the internet who may be after my kidneys or whatever. They're like ten thousand dollars. I'll just take that guy's kidneys. You know, I'll make that back. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, as you know, we talked about Palladium Games has lost the Robotech thing, and other people have picked it up, and so there's this new game out, and I actually saw a Twitch stream of it and thought it looked really good. From whatever, last week there was some retailer thing where a lot of uh, companies were, and uh, this particular company showed it, and this is uh, Ace Pilot Attack on the SDF-1. And I, of course, the other game is Brace for Impact, but Ace Pilot I is a dice game. And Attack on the SDF-1 is a co-op board game for one to five players who take on a role of a character from Robotech, and you're defending the SDF-1. And it's a really cool-looking board. It's like the SDF-1 and all this space around it, and you have little bad guys are flying in, and, you know, you're you know, Roy Fokker or whoever and trying to fight them back. And so it's supposed to come out uh, this summer. And uh, I'll link to the, the thing in the show notes, or you can go to RobotechBoardGames.com 
and uh, kind of get a look at it. Uh, I'm not that crazy about the artwork because it looks a little too cartoonish. I know that it's based on a cartoon, but still, you know what I mean. It's it's that way too colorful, round lines, whatever. Anyway, so that's coming. So the next thing I had, I originally just put this up because it was news. And then I found out it was controversial. So there'll be two links here and this thing, and this uh, news thing that we have here, in which is called Dragons Conquer America. This is an RPG, and it's it's on Kickstarter as of us doing this podcast, uh, our recording. And let me double check and see where we're at. As of this podcast, they have 18 days to go. They want 37 grand, and they have raised 31. And apparently this is controversial, this thing, and it has to do with cultural appropriation. So the next link I have are people, the, the creators of it popped over on Reddit to do an AMA. And so I thought I'd just, you know, toss this in and, yeah. I It is weird to me that we're kind of getting, you know, kind of a pushback or whatever from you know, uh, just in gaming in general, that you're starting to see this kind of social justice, for like the the lack of a better word, of stuff. Because, you know, I mean, gaming has just been kind of a, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll have boobs or whatever, or we'll, you know, steal from this culture and make this and whatever, and it's just a thing. But now you're actually starting to see a pushback. This particular one were... I mean, I don't understand, because, I mean, to me, it looks like they're not appropriating culture. They're just, like, telling the story of it. Like, okay, if this happened in South America at this time, the Incas would do this, and they would fight, and blah, 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 and, yeah. Uh, what, what do you guys think of it? So my first thought when I saw this was it almost – and I saw this thread on Reddit um, – you know, and it's interesting because the, the headline of it is, we're the creators of the recently controversial Dragons Conquer America, which is interesting because if they leave that and they say, we are the creators of Dragons Conquer America, ask us anything, and maybe I'll click on it, maybe I won't. But when they say that they're controversial, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to click on it now. And I don't – I never heard about any controversy until they said that they were controversial. So it's hard to know a lot of these things, and this is part of the the perils of living in the information age, is it's a good and a bad thing, but a very small group of people can make a very loud noise. And it could be that this is a small group of people that wanted some controversy, and the vast majority of the people that might be considered culturally appropriated or whatever – either don't care or even supportive, but a small group of people in the age of the internet can make a really loud noise. And I never heard that initial outcry. I only heard it after the creators said, now we're controversial. Yeah, I went back and looked at this. Once I saw this, I'm like, what do you mean controversial? And come to find out, they actually had to, I think, delete the original Kickstarter or or something. There was some kind of something where the guy responded rudely and they kind of just started over and 
with this here. And yeah, but you're right. Uh, Eric Bischoff said controversy creates cash, <laughs> and it it absolutely does. I didn't know about this, and here I am talking about it on my podcast for my tens of listeners. I hope there's at least ten, um, you know, for to listen to this, and and I'm actually interested in it. And I think it's a cool gimmick. This this attracts me, you know, to be like, oh, okay. Looks like I've got like cheetah Aztecs and a um, conquistador with a flaming sword fighting Quetzalcoatl, and so yeah, yeah, that one piece of artwork is amazing. It really is. <laughs> And so, yeah, and I like they're using it heavily. They're like, okay, we paid good money for this. Let's <laughs> just toss this on here. Yeah. So the – Go ahead. The, the, the setup here then um, – sorry, I'm just learning about this – is that there are dragons in America, and then the European settlers are coming and kind of discovering the new world and having to deal with dragons. Is that what I'm understanding? I think at the time that America was discovered, this, these dragons popped up. Uh, yeah, I'm afraid I, I don't know <laughs> that much about it. I didn't watch the little thing. I just, you know, thought it was kind of gimmicky. But mm-hmm. it appears to be like they they have uh, popped up while you know we were conquering America. I say we. Um, uh, they were conquering America, and uh, yeah, it looks like uh, around 1500s in uh, Mexico, South America. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's apparently in the middle of the conquest, these dragons popped up, and were like, "Screw you guys! This is our place." You know, <laughs> now you know the people that are trying to take over, we'll kill them, and the people that are already here, we'll kill them. Well, okay, so it seems to me what I'm. My my feeling about it is that yeah that it, there's there's a certain um, few people who see an opportunity to create some waves here that and so like Richard was saying the the people who are um, uh, the you know the people that live in Mexico and Mesoamerica are just they don't I'm I'm sure that they would be excited to play a game like this too but there is a certain subset of people who see an opportunity to get a little um to, to stir the pot a little bit and get um some uh notoriety by by protesting against this so looking yeah sorry go ahead. uh looking at the the reddit post uh one guy on here says i've played this multiple times because there's a quick start on Drive Through RPG said the characters are a ragtag group representing both European and Mesoamerican cultures. They start with their own assumptions about each other's cultures or peoples they've never met, but as they are exposed to them and even forced to fight alongside them, they learn to celebrate their differences. Diversity makes the party stronger, and the players are nudged toward tolerance and diplomacy. In the end, the the characters and the players come out with a fresh and renewed understanding of their fellows having overcome greater evils and tribulations. Now it said, the guy goes on to say, I challenge everyone to actually play the game and expose yourself to new ideas before deciding its faults or worth. People are saying they don't have a right to portray the cultures of time. I say you have no right to critically review a game you haven't even played or read. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's true. That happens, man. Man, people are... Uh, they don't. They just get mad about things. They're like, "Ooh, that looks bad." Well, have you read it? No, I haven't. But I hear it's bad. 
<laughs> I guess also, I mean, we need to remember that everyone needs to remember we're talking about a fantasy role playing game with dragons. You know, if they if if they start with even an incorrect version of a culture, then it's still a fantasy role playing game with dragons. I mean, we don't we don't assume that Dungeons and Dragons is the way things were in Europe. You know, we don't we don't assume any of these things. We just we take some cultural things from different different places around the world and some that are made up of whole cloth and we combine them together into what makes an interesting story. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that because we're not claiming to be historians. We're claiming to be fantasy role players here. Mm-hmm. I just I just want to know personally are the dragons being accurately <laughs> That's what I want to know. So let's hear from the dragons on this. Let's see yes, what they have what, to say about <laughs> What what are the dragons saying? If they come eat us all then we will know that they didn't like the game. Yeah. Or that they were just hungry. <laughs> Moving on, Wiz Kids announces Magic the Gathering Heroes of Dominaria board game and token miniatures. And this is kind of interesting that they're kind of getting back into board games because they haven't done one in a while. And these are actual miniatures based on um, the characters from Magic, which I don't play. I actually forget that apparently, you know, I, 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 I never knew, I never paid attention, but apparently Magic has a pretty deep lore and a storyline and, you know, bullshit's going on, you know, whatever. Uh, bad guys are rising, heroes are rising, and just, yeah, stuff happens. So, I didn't know that. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the things they're doing here is they're, they're doing these tokens with all the way from Magic's 25-year history, they're doing like your typical angel soldiers and whatever, but also heroes. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, I know I pretty much nothing about Magic except that I know a lot of people play it. So, another miniatures game. Um, I don't. It's hard to know at this point if it's. Uh, I'm just noticing miniatures games more because. They're interesting and they they make good press releases and they look cool in the pictures. Or if it seems that there are really a lot of miniatures games out there now. Yeah, there really, really are. Um, And yeah, with this, I think it's just more of a board game with miniatures. And that is an interesting difference. Mm -hmm. I I don't know how to to accurately... Boy, I'm glad. I can no, I get this. that. If if the miniature <laughs> yeah. can be replaced by a cardboard token with no loss of functionality, except that it doesn't look as cool, then it's just a board game with miniatures. Yeah, and I just consider those board games. Yeah. I don't I don't consider a miniature game unless you're actually playing it on just a bare table. Yeah. It is a nice it is a nice selling point though. I mean, I know that we talked either last time or the time before about uh, stuffed fables, which is one you know my my eight year old really wants to get it because she wants to paint the minis. We've been painting imperial assault minis and she's into it and I'm into it. So um, yeah, the minis are definitely a big selling point now. 
I can send you my Legion stuff if she wants to paint that. No, I told I, – <laughs> so I already told her. I brought out the box Thursday night, and I said, now, sweetie, I'm going to paint this. <laughs> and I felt so guilty about it, but I'm like, no, I'm going to do Legion. You keep painting Imperial Assault because that's not going to leave the house. <laughs> but but I want to paint Luke. No. <laughs> Uh, all right. Speaking of uh, board game miniatures, it, this it, the next thing we have is Pacific Rim Extinction, the miniatures game. That is the actual title of it. However, if you take a look at it, it's a board game <laughs> with with miniatures. And I toss this on here because it makes me mad. Um, I, I mean, I love Pacific Rim. I haven't seen the second one yet. Um, which just came out this week as we recorded this. I don't understand why there has to be a Kickstarter with this, because I feel like um, Pacific Rim is a big IP. And, I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. Legendary Games is doing it. And, see, my question is, when, okay, when you do a Kickstarter, basically you're asking me to prepay for it. And... uh, I'm assuming Legendary Games has paid for the IP to do this. I mean, of course they have. Uh, so what if they did this Kickstarter and it failed? And they're just out all that money for the uh, the IP. Yeah, and this one's interesting too because it is a big IP, but, I mean, it's not Star Wars. I mean, I don't think there are a million – yes, there's an obvious – you know, there's a movie tie-in and it's, it's a recent movie. It's – but – I don't know that there's enough people out there that are going to say, I'm buying it because it's Pacific Rim, sight unseen. Whereas with Star Wars, tons of people do that. I'm one of them sometimes. Uh, We talked a couple of times ago, Harry Potter. Something comes out Harry Potter, you already have X number of people that are going to buy it no matter what. I don't know that you've got that with Pacific Rim. Hmm, That's a a good point. Maybe so. Why not just play Monster Apocalypse? Is what it looks like to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it'd be the same as same sort of gameplay. Uh, as we announced last time, that's coming back yep. soon. I just hope. Yeah, I guess it's not going to be kickstarted. And I actually cleaned out some storage uh, this weekend, and I ran into my old Monster Apocalypse stuff. <laughs> A huge box full of it that I got super cheap just for the terrain. And the guy's like, do you want the figures for it? And I was like, nah. And he's like, well, I'm throwing them in anyway. So I have a bunch of those. Little Is guys. it the same scale uh, as the newer the newer release? I'm guessing, yeah. Oh, well, so. That would be my guess. All right. Uh, now, this Kickstarter, I think the last thing I will say is I hate British Kickstarters because they're expensive. <laughs> Not... You know, not only is you have to pay more than the pound, but shipping sucks too. Man, I, t- I tell you, I love Canadian Kickstarters. Like freaking uh, DreamPod Nine, who does Heavy Gear, you can get some your money's worth with that. And uh, the other one I do is, um, gosh, there's a company that um, that does. Uh, I'm doing it in Swedish, I think. Some non-American currency that that uh, I can get a lot for a little. Uh, it's SEK. S-E-K. What is that? And, yeah, see, like I said, you know, the good thing is I can actually edit this. So it's <laughs> awesome. 
It is. Oh, it's Swiss. It's the Swiss Krona. So we get a pretty good um, thing with the, with the Swiss Krona, a, a good uh, currency conversion. So yeah, that's cool. And uh, it's the company that does. And again, I'm so glad I can edit this. Uh, I can. Yeah. Tales from the Loop. That company, uh, Free League. And uh, I just did their summertime uh, Kickstarter, I think. Let's see. This is, uh, sorry, Mophidius uh, actually did uh, is publishing it in the U.S. However, it was uh, kickstarted by uh, Freya Ligen and from Stockholm, Sweden. And let's see what else he has created. He did Emissary Lost, which was a campaign for uh, Corollas RPG, and I'm debating on doing that. But, oh, he did Forbidden Lands, the retro open-world fan survival fantasy, and I just got my PDF for that. But, yeah, I he did Corollas was another one, and, yeah, there's several of these. Oh, he also does Mutant Gear Zero that we previously talked about, so there you go. He does, yeah, Swiss Kroner. Your dollar goes far, so yeah, something right. to think about. Ah, <laughs> uh, the next thing we had. Oh yes. Ah, oh, gosh, we should have stuck this up right underneath the um, controversy over cultural appropriation. Controversy but part Dungeon- two. Yes, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons to include gender fluidity in elves. And I was just like, look, really? I mean. <laughs> Has anyone really cared? I mean, I, okay, I'm just honestly asking, like, if you're out there listening and you, you know, in 19, no, I guess I should get out of the 19s, in 2004, if you were playing Dungeons and Dragons, you came to your group and they were like, and you were like, hey, my elf character is gender fluid, and did anybody tell you no? Yeah. Did they go like that's against the rules? You can't do that. And haven't we? I thought that. W- haven't we had genderless ahead, species in D and D and probably in other games as well? It seems like we have. I mean, D and D back in probably back as far as three point five in Eberron, you had the the construct characters. Those were genderless, weren't they? So I mean, I know genderless and gender fluids not exactly the same, but. Again, we're talking about elves, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I mean, honestly, geeky people anyway, in my personal experience, are the most accepting people I've ever met, so I don't think anyone would care, you know, what what you're doing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. If, if I'm wrong, you know, hey, just tell send me chanceofgaming at gmail.com I'd love to know your story on this where like you tried to be a cross-dressing uh, kinder and your DM told you no that's bad you can't do that because it's not in the book yeah I mean it, it goes back to what you were talking about uh, you know Roy you were talking about gaming cancer earlier and mm-hmm. obviously in RPGs we've all seen that guy or that girl in my case it's always been a guy for whatever reason but um I mean, it doesn't matter what the rules are, what the rulebook says, what you're playing. If if a player is going to be weird and creepy and bad for your group, then it doesn't matter. I mean, I've got people that I play with that if, you know, no matter what system we're in, if they say, okay, my character's gender fluid, I'll say, 
okay, fine. So, I mean, we're not going to be describing sex in this game. So I don't really care. So is this a way for WotC to kind of signal uh, kind of inclusion? I mean, I presume that there's probably no, like, uh, game mechanics that that are wrapped around it. So that that would be my next question. Is I, I, that's another thing I don't I don't understand. Is are they actually adding is like some kind of stat or or something like that? You mm-hmm. know, I don't know. And oh, it, I it think... says here, uh, according to Mordenkheim's Tome of Foes, some elves retain a a blessing of Corleon or Corlon. As part of this blessing, these elves may actually choose their biological sex whenever they finish a long rest. Oh. They can choose to be male, female, or neither, based on their moods and feelings. Yeah. So again, so I, in D and D fifth edition, mechanically, that means nothing. Yeah. It's purely, yeah. purely role playing. Okay. Which I mean, I would think you would be able to do any uh, anyway. Is my argument, but I guess I don't know. I guess it has to. I, I mean, know. if anything, it sets up some good role playing situations because if you need to infiltrate the castle and. You need to be a prince one day and a princess the next day. Well, the same guy can mm-hmm. do both of them. <laughs> like Richard, okay, we need you to go to sleep and wake up sexy yeah. tomorrow. Can you do that? It's like I got you, man. So I got you. I can do this. I would say that this is this is Watsi saying, you know, we feel you. We're on board with your um, with your sexuality, and so if or your, with your gender. So um, yeah, it's. To me, it's it's they're trying to make the uh, the player base as, as large as possible by incorporating anybody they can. Yeah, and I will say this: so there are a number of people, um, you know, a small percentage of people to whom this is a very personal issue, and they care deeply about it. Those people are happy, and for the rest of the people, they're probably mostly neutral toward it. So if there's some positive, and most people just go huh, whatever, then hey. Mm-hmm. So- no, no harm done. But then you're yeah. also going to have the Pat Robertsons going to going to. Yeah, but he's not playing D and D anyway. So. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is true. And and again, controversy creates cash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, get, this gets yeah. this gets your name out there. Like people, somebody is going Dungeons and Dragons. That's still around. I got to go check that out. Yeah. You know. And this book only cost so, fifty dollars, and now I can be gender fluid. Well, you could have been gender fluid before, but go ahead and spend your fifty bucks. Yeah, and the... Uh, all right, hold on. Okay, so the next thing we've got is uh, new Battletech releases, <laughs> which uh, are interesting. For one thing, the beginner, the box set has been out of print for a while, and the cost on it has gone up astronomically on the secondary market. So that's cool. And I really was caught off guard by there's a new edition of Alpha Strike, which makes me immediately dump my current edition out to eBay when I first get a whisper of a new a new version coming out because I have to have the latest version. It's important. Um, I dump my old stuff really fast, so hopefully somebody who doesn't know will immediately buy it. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are end of Battletech or not, but I, I I was talking about this this afternoon. I've been playing Battletech since about 92, 93. That's, that's how long I've been playing this game. 
and it never gets old to me. I really dig it. I can play it in my sleep. You know, I, I have all the charts memorized, you know, and there you go. But the beginner box set, I really think they're doing a, a cool thing for it. It's 20 bucks, which prices it right along there with the D&D box set. Uh, that one they, I think the, I know the red box, when they reissued that, that was 20 but I think the regular one is 22 That sounds about yeah. right, yeah. You get two miniatures, uh, Griffin and a Wolverine, which are heavies, if I if I remember correctly. You get a quick start rule book. Oh, it comes, You get record wow. sheets for them, a little novel, and a guide, cards, and, you know, and two maps. And, oh, two dice as well. But I really think that's kind of cool that they did it. And then um, the, the new box set, the last box set, which I picked up, I real I bought it because I thought the maps were super cool and uh, yeah so I'm hoping for the same quality with these you get eight unpainted miniatures with this one a larger rule book more record sheets the same novel more pilot cards oh you get alpha strike cards with this which is a different way of playing Battletech mm. not as detailed so. This is a big thing, and um, they've got some other stuff on here. I have not followed their fiction, of course, because it, it's all with the modern era, and I don't play moderns. I play 30, 25, up to 30, 57, and I think they're currently like in 30, 80, or 30, 90. So, yeah, I don't do that. So, anyway. Moving on to the... Oh, yeah. While we're talking about Battletech, there's been an update on the Harmony Gold lawsuit. Oh, yeah. Which, which this thing has been around, gosh, since the late 90s, I think. And what I found fascinating in this update is, uh, come to find out, Harmony Gold did not even have the rights that they sued over. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You might want to check that before you start the lawsuit. <laughs> and, I mean, this suit has been going on for like 30 years, and they've just discovered that, no, you don't actually have the rule, uh, the rights to it anyway. it's The rights are owned by a company called Big West. And these have to do with these unseen mechs that were taken from Macross and a dozen over small animes that you've never heard of. The Marauder, so, the Archer. Yep. Uh-huh. I had some of those. I sold the, them. The Warhammer, the Wolverine, yep. uh, the Goliath, and it you know it goes on and on. I, it, the Locust, I'm not, well, no, I don't think so, not the Locust. But, yeah, I'm often surprised by the ones that are like, oh, yeah, that goes from this weird company. Uh, the Shadowhawk was one. Anyway, and all these, we haven't been able to get a miniature for them unless it's on the secondary market. And, uh, yeah. Come to find out, they uh, don't even have it. Don't did they didn't even have the rights that they were suing over. So I'm interested to see how this shakes out. Next thing we've got is the Golden Sky Stories Twilight Tales, and I don't you know we do talk about Kickstarters a good bit on here. I'm wondering if I should just kind of shove them into their own section where it's like today on Kickstarter World, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> And I thought this was kind of an interesting thing. It's a it's a role playing book based. It, it's a Japanese role playing game that has been translated and brought over here. 
And to me, it looks kind of geared toward kids, but I know that can be deceptive when Japan is involved. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was just going to bring it to your attention and see what you thought. I like the art style, and I see, I immediately think, ah, my kids might like this, but my kids are teenagers, so, you know, they're they're older and they love anime and stuff. So. Yeah, my eight-year-old is, uh, this looks like the stuff she would be drawing right now, so she's big into, she actually doesn't, like, read any anime, but that's, she's she loves to draw, and that's her art style. She, you know, she has seen enough of it in the background of other things that that's her art style, so she would look at this and, and love it. And looking at it, it looks like the Kickstarter's over. Uh, they raised twenty three grand, and you can currently pre-order it. I mean, it wasn't bad. You could get this thing. You could get a PDF of it for eight. Yeah, months. that's not bad at all. So yeah, I, I really appreciate smaller Kickstarters like that that give me a, a cheap option. Speaking of cheap options, <laughs> TabletopTribe.com did a list of nine board games that you can blow a grand on. And, of course, it was in response of, instead of buying an iPhone X, you could blow your gra- blow your money on board games. And uh, some of them are a little ridiculous. Uh, like, I think there's, like, a special edition Monopoly or whatever. Di- oh, yeah, there are diamond-encrusted tri- chess sets and whatever, but they're not talking about that. Number nine was Imperial Assault. And I was going to talk to you about this because it's like the minimum buy-in. Of course, this is retail price. It's 100 bucks, But the total price for everything is $975. Yeah, I saw that. That actually surprised me a little bit because, I mean, there's a lot of Imperial Assault out there, but I'm surprised that it actually added up to 1000 So um, now who actually owns everything? Probably I'm sure some people do, but um, I don't know. That's uh, I've got I don't know. I've probably spent a couple hundred on it. So I think, uh, dude, 500 points of Death Corps of Creed will cost you a thousand dollars, won't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll do that math. I'll do that math and and put it in the show notes. Right. Yeah, because those guys are ridiculous. They're about thirteen bucks a figure. Wow. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous for a little bitty um, resin guy. I swear, shipping and all, they're about thirteen bucks. I think a figure. That's. I'd love to to play forty k, but I'm just you know like I haven't made my first million yet <laughs> to be able to field a five hundred point army. Yeah, a lot of the guys that were doing the the Star Wars Legion, they're like, yeah, it's cheaper than 40k, which ironically they play for. Well, so far it is. I mean, let's let's yeah. come back to it in five years because you know, like Imperial Assault has a thousand dollars worth of stuff. It won't be long before Legion has a thousand dollars worth of stuff. The next thing was Descent. They said the minimum buy-in was 79, and the total cost was 1045. I could believe that because there are a good bit of expansions for it. And I also had no idea it was set in the Runebound universe. I didn't know that. Huh. No, I didn't know that either. Okay. I knew Imperial Assault was basically a Star Wars skin of Descent, but... Right. Number seven is Zombicide. Uh, I could believe this, that the total cost for it is eleven fifty. Because they have just cranked out expansion after expansion after expansion for this game. I know a ton of people that own it, but I have never seen it on the table. That's cool mini or not that does it. 
zombie site. All right. Number six is Heroes of Normandy. I've actually wanted to buy into this because I like, you know, anything that kind of looks like ASL. I'm like, mm, okay, well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, this one doesn't and, surprise uh, me at all because I know that the shelf of my local gaming store, it seems like they've got a whole shelf just for expansions on this game. It's It's got a million out there. And I had no idea that it had a ton of it. And I know I don't. I'm not crazy about the art style. And they also we mentioned I think uh, on our first podcast or our last one uh, they reskinned this for 40k. There's a reskin really? 40k game for this, and uh, which seems kind of cool. I kind of want that. But uh, yeah, and there there's an iOS app for this yes. too. And I have that, that um, and. You know, it's okay. It's it's actually I like it when there's an iOS app that that really is the game itself because for nine bucks or ten bucks or whatever it cost me on iOS, it was worth it to play the game and it's fun enough to play now and then. But it also for that ten bucks, it tells me that I don't think the game's worth you know seventy for the core and then however many expansions as well. I just I don't like it that much so. Okay, maybe I should just do that. I should just buy that, spend ten bucks. But man, buying ten bucks for an app, <laughs> I'm like, it, it gets me. I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Uh, number five is Zombie Side. Uh, then we just do Zombie Side. <laughs> oh yeah, let me scroll back up. Uh, zombie Side. Oh, sorry, Zombie Side Black. Play oh, different games. <laughs> was was apparently. I, I don't know. So I mean, so between Louise, the two, you can spend what twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> Yeah, Black Plague is eleven fifty total, and then I scroll down to Zombie Side, it's twelve fifteen. Holy cow! Dang. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cool mini or not? See, there's no need for them to uh, <laughs> be doing Kickstarters. They got plenty of money. Yeah, they were able to. Didn't they get the uh, Game of Thrones um, license? Don't they have that game coming out? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Miniatures. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, the, the miniature game. Yeah. I, I'm actually I'm not sure. I saw that on uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, I'm almost positive. I'll yeah, I'll post it in the show notes. But yeah, and see that's another thing with Star Wars Legion being successful. I expect a miniature game based on games of Game of Thrones to be successful. But we'll see. Uh, number four is Cthulhu Wars. It has a minimum buy-in of two hundred dollars, yes. and I had friends that were at uh, Gen Con last year strictly to buy that game. And I was like, it just doesn't look appealing to me. Maybe it's just like super awesome, but I don't know. I had no idea the total cost of it is sixteen hundred bucks. No, and the fact that I haven't heard much about that one makes me wonder: are people not buying it just because of the price, or is it one of those things where people aren't buying it because it's not been reviewed that well? I haven't heard much about it. Number three is Shadows of Brimstone. And yeah, I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> I have the first one, which I think is City of Ancients. I, I hate the Weird West aspect of it, but what sold me is one expansion is on like this derelict sh- spaceship with uh, zombie astronauts. And I'm like, I've got to own this game strictly for that. I'm like, can I just buy this? They're like, no, sir, you, you have to have the man <laughs> to play it. So 
there are a shitload of expansions for this. It is ridiculous. And all this game is, is from Flying Fire Productions, it's a dungeon crawler. And there are so many expansion sets, it is ridiculous. And the total cost currently is of this article is a little over two grand to buy into it. But uh, it's supposed to play good. It's supposed to be awesome. I haven't seen anything bad about it. It's supposed to be challenging to play and uh, with lots of replay value. And, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Number two, I expected to see on here, is Kingdom Death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've discovered a friend of mine, actually, another friend has a copy of this. So one of these days, I'm going to sit down and try this to see what the big deal is. I look at the minis in that game, and I I mean, we've talked about it a little bit before, but some of the minis in that game are just so amazing looking that... Yeah, they're, I mean, yeah. they're detailed, they're super fucking And they're huge. And, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the size difference in some of the minis in that game is cool, too. Uh, it says the minimum buy-in is 250 The total cost is 2500 I It's probably more than that. Yeah, so now what is, what is the total cost on that one? Because that one obviously doesn't have expansions it, yet. Yeah. What, what, Kingdom yeah. Death? Oh, yes, it, does? it does? Oh, okay. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. And w- what they consider expansions are they sell little heroes and extra monsters and stuff like that that come in with their own stats and cards. And okay, stuff. all right. Yeah, it it has a ton of expansions, including like some uh, like bigger ones that just add to the story. And number one is advanced squad. There leader. we go. Now my friend, <laughs> my friend Chris uh, laughed at the minimum buy-in of twenty-five dollars, and I'm like, well, yep, starter I kit that's, that, that's a starter yep. kit, okay. And the total cost is thirty-two hundred. That's probably right but i, don't I know would what say you, you know. i would say that's low because if you honestly wanted to buy everything you're not paying retail price you buy stuff that's out of print you might be paying five six hundred bucks for a module so retail price that 3200 might be correct but you it's literally impossible to buy everything at retail price at this point in time yeah i'm gonna do, do get doom battalion <laughs> and uh uh, on the reprint and see the one I want is the French one and uh um, yeah. yeah yeah but it's like 400 bucks currently yeah. so forget that oh. see I'm looking at the pictures here and thinking man I want to play ASL now <laughs> <laughs> the next the next thing we have is um there's a new scythe there's new scythe or is this a reprint? What, what are we no, so this is interesting. Um, Scythe has uh, a new expansion coming out, and it's going to be a modular board, which is kind of cool. Um, and I think they're going to have something like a campaign game, too. The Rise of Fenris, they're calling it. So um, if you've played Scythe before, it's uh, it's just, you know, there's, there's one big board, and you... The factions all each faction always lines up in the same place. The only sort of modularity they've had is you can flip the board over and have bigger hexes, and you buy an expansion to make the board even bigger. But it's the exact same board. But apparently, with this new expansion that's coming out, it's going to actually be a modular board and a campaign mode as well. So uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Scythe is one of my favorite games, and uh, I was. I've played it with several friends and they all love it too i played it with a guy a 
two, three weeks ago now, um, played it with a friend of mine and a friend of his that I had never met before, and he texted me later that night. He goes, yeah, he just bought Scythe. So, yeah, it's a great game, and um, it's got a couple expansions out now. It's got one that just has a couple extra factions. It's got another one that adds airships to the game, which, honestly, that one doesn't look that interesting to me. But this new one with the modular board and the campaign mode, I'll definitely be checking out. I don't know, man. Airships sound awesome to me. <laughs> the only issue about those is that they're they're not faction specific. Like all the the mechs and everything in the the base game are all specific yeah. to the faction, but yep. they're all the they're, it's all the same sculpt for the the airships. Yeah. So that was a little disappointing. All right, the last thing we've got on here is a the war in Vietnam, a grand strategy miniature war game. And this is based on Axis and Allies? It looks a lot like Axis. Yeah, I don't know if it's based on it. This this makes me laugh because you were talking a few minutes ago, what is a what is a miniatures game? And this one is more of a, a board game, but it, it plays with miniatures instead of pieces. So, yeah, kind of like Axis and Allies, you would have you know an actual tank to represent a tank battalion and a little guy to represent an infantry battalion. So it's like that, and they've got... I mean, in the Kickstarter, they've got 800 miniatures. They've got planes and tanks and infantry and everything, and it really just looks amazing. So, um, I don't know. It's definitely. I was I was looking at it, thinking about pulling the trigger. They've almost met their goal, and it's it's pretty new out. They've got a week to go, and they're not quite at their goal. But um, yeah, it looks interesting to me. Yeah, they're short about eight grand. Although it looks like the buy-in is the minimum buy-in to get the full base game is one hundred thirty-five bucks. Yes, yeah. but it's eight hundred miniatures, yeah. helicopters, wow. artillery, tanks, planes, everything. So, man, that yeah, it's, I'm just curious. Yeah, the box has got to be much bigger than what they're showing. <laughs> yeah, would would be my guess. <clears throat> so anyway, wrapping up, I think Ready Player One. Oh yes, opens this week. Yeah, I've got I'm some friends going to see it Wednesday. See this movie. Yeah, I have. You guys read the book? Yep. Yes. I have not. <laughs> uh, I had never even heard of it until the movie. They started talking about the movie, and uh, I was like, okay, uh, it seems cool. This it seems to be kind of riding that wave of nostalgia that you know. Stranger Things kind of started. Uh, there's a whole lot of cameos. Yeah. yeah, and and from what I've heard, and this won't mean anything to you, Adam, because you haven't read the book, but Roy, from what I've heard in the movie, they've actually updated the cultural references to include some things that I guess maybe, you know, most of the cultural references in the book were pretty much all 80s, but I think they've updated the cultural references in the movie to include some more modern things as well. It looked like there were some World of Warcraft characters in there, too. Yeah, I think like I did know that, yeah. <laughs> yep. They've added, like, Mass Effect. I mean, there's uh, Overwatch. All these all these newer video yeah. games are, are in it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm very excited to see this movie. Yeah, it'll be one of those movies where you're going to want to go on, like, Reddit or something afterwards, too, and see where people caught all the references that you missed. So then next time you go back, you can make sure you catch them. Because I'm mm -hmm. sure there'll be tons of stuff that you just won't be able to catch the first time. So I've heard it referred to as um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory meets the Matrix. <laughs> so, 
Wow, so that like scary boat trip is really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, and they use um, the the trailers have had uh, pure imagination. From, oh, really? From the, the what the Gene Wilder version? Yeah. Uh, hmm. So yeah, it's I it's I really want to see this movie. I'm a, a yeah. The new Star Wars I think comes out on video shortly too and i'll actually see it finally oh yeah oh yeah i I haven't seen it so there you go it's i just it's a yeah there's a there's a bunch coming out um you know between this one and the the next star wars movie the solo movie and avengers infinity war comes out end of april i think so yeah i don't see that many movies in the theater normally but i'm probably going to see three in the next couple months <laughs> uh-huh. cool well this brings us to the end here and uh, i hope you enjoyed it you should send us an email at chanceofgaming at gmail.com and let us know what we're doing wrong or right or what you like and uh like rate us on itunes and yeah you know i'm really thinking about trying to do a live show just to do it on twitch to make it easy so you have people that pop in the chat room or whatever, and yeah, so we'll see. But I mean, honestly, it would just be like me on webcam. I guess I don't have to be on there, but I could pull up like you know the stories we're talking about. That might be neat. But then you'd also see me like surfing Reddit or something if I'm bored, or checking my email when <laughs> one of those comes in. It might, it might be weird, but whatever. Or me looking up something that like Richard's talking about. Like what is that? Oh, okay, I see what that is. All right, but anyway. So there we go, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Good night, guys.